This is the Healthonomics Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome back, everybody. And a special welcome to those of you new to the podcast. Who am I? I am Mark Kennedy, the founder of Healthonomics.com, where I help people eat better and move more. I am a former kinesiologist and an exercise therapist that now works in the finance industry. I've worked with and trained injured workers from fishermen to nurses. I've also trained with elite level athletes from Olympic rowers to NBA players. What else? I'm a husband and I have an 18-month-old son. I played a ton of sports growing up and continue to be active as I can. Uh, most recently, I ran the Toronto Marathon back in May. This podcast and HealthyNomics.com is an outlet for me to stay in touch with my passion of helping people live a healthier lifestyle through eating and exercise. Now let's get to today's episode. Today's guest is Adam Bornstein. Who is Adam? Adam Bornstein is an award-winning fitness and nutrition journalist and editor. Adam was named one of the most influential people in health and the editorial, a former editorial director of Livestrong.com and the fitness editor of Men's Health Magazine. His first book, The Impact Body Plan, was a fitness bestseller, and that was followed by The Men's Health Diet with Stephen Perrine, The Women's Health Big Book of Abs, and The Men's Health Big Book Getting Abs. His recent book, Man 2.0, Engineering the Alpha, is co-authored by John Romanello. This book investigates all the reasons men struggle to get in shape, lose fat, and build muscle, and offers a scientific look at what really works to transform your life. Adam blogs over at bornfitness.com and discusses all topics related to health and fitness and nutrition. Adam can also be found on Twitter at bornfitness. Uh, make sure you listen all the way to the end of the podcast as we're giving away four copies of Adam's recent book, Engineering the Alpha, Man 2.0. So have a listen and let's jump in. Hey everyone, it's Mark Kennedy here again. Uh, welcome to another Healthynomics podcast. Today I'm extremely excited to have Adam Bornstein as my guest. Adam, welcome and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. <laughs> That's great. I know you're uh, you're battling some uh, other prior responsibilities and job and traffic in LA there. So anyways, glad we could uh, catch up. So I've been following your work for about a year now, and with the launch of your uh, recent book, um, anyone that reads sort of fitness and nutrition information online uh, will likely have seen your name somewhere. Uh, with that said, however, Adam, uh, if you don't mind giving the listeners a bit of a background on you, maybe where you grew up, um, what you studied in college, and then maybe transition into uh, what you're up to now. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because I think, you know, some people will be familiar with my name and I always appreciate that. And at the same time, I think a lot of my career by design has been uh, for people not to see my name. And, and only recently have I uh, decided, I guess, to be a little bit more aggressive in, in pursuing uh, a little bit more attention. And some of it's done on purpose to try and, and shake things up in this industry a little bit and, and really help give a voice to the people who need to have a voice. And I'll kind of dovetail in, into that discussion. I've had somewhat of a circuitous journey, if you will. I mean, a lot of people will know me from working at Men's Health. I was the fitness editor there for several years. Other people might know me from Livestrong.com, where I was the editorial director for several years. And other people might know me for books. I've, I've written five now where, where you would actually see my name, the most recent one being uh, Man 2.0, Engineering the Alpha, which uh, happy to say was a New York Times bestseller. So that's the one that I think mm. has, has the most attention on it. But Congrats on that, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's great. It is always very humbling and, uh, and I guess very rewarding when you put a lot of effort and time to something. And in many aspects in which we'll touch on, this book was, it was a bit of a risk in you know, the approach we took towards writing it. And it was definitely by design in order to try and break through some of the myths. We had to write the book a certain way in order to, to grasp the attention of people. But uh, it, it's great when you, when you put a lot of work into this. And this goes for anyone in any walk of life. And to, to see it do well, it's, it's very rewarding, but, but humbling at the same time. Because in order to read a book, people have to take time out of their day. They have to take the money that they earn and spend it on something you create. So uh, I, I'm very, very appreciative of that. But Getting back to, to me, yeah, my, my job has been to help create the content that people read. And, you know, since I've left Livestrong.com, I've really been involved on the on the freelancer consultant contributor side where I've been writing for everyone and anyone under the sun. And whether it's 
teaming up with other fitness brands, whether it's things, you know, in the from greatest to men's fitness to shape, you know, really hitting across all genders to even, you know, in, in sports like ESPN. I, I like uh, trying to spread and hit different audiences and, and find different ways to speak to them. It's kind of like being a method actor where you want to create content yeah. that reaches to them, but in a way that you can draw their attention to topics that maybe they wouldn't normally be interested in, and then you can pull them in. And because I love health and fitness, it's uh, I feel it's my responsibility and job to make people aware of what they can do to live a healthier life. But in order to get into this field, it's not the traditional model. I mean, I did train people in a while for gyms, learned from a lot of different people. So I always view that as more of a hobby. I mean, my, my undergraduate degree was in psychology. I have a master's degree in journalism, and I, but I've worked in exercise, uh, phys, and kinesiology labs. I was a researcher for several years at the, at the University of Colorado, where I was the guy who would publish studies. You know, I was the one who was doing the, putting together test batteries, running the tests, and then getting it published. And I, I kind of had that aha moment at one point that I really enjoyed writing much more than just doing research. And for a while, it was I felt kind of down on the fact that I, that I went in the wrong direction, or so I felt at the time. When I really yeah. first wanted to go full-time into writing, I thought it was going to be sports writing. I've always been a huge sports junkie, and that's what I did for a while. And it, it, and it didn't occur to me for a while that I could take uh, my background in exercise biz and as, as well as in nutrition and then combine it with this writing skill and combine it with this really strong research background. I mean, I'm classically trained in research and, and it became very beneficial because at men's health, it, there's a, a lot and people will never understand really how much time goes into reading through studies and trying to not just take what's in an abstract or not just take what's in a headline, but try and boil down the science to uh, what's really there. And I was able to walk into that situation and really understand how to break apart science because I was the one who used to create those studies. So, it, Well, yeah, I feel like that's huge. I mean, you read a lot of the research and like you said, you, you got to determine what's there and what's not there. And I think I mean, we'll, we'll touch upon that uh, later. But um, I mean, that's a huge uh, skill to have and uh, and obviously helps you in you know, writing uh, the articles and stuff you do. Yeah, I mean, and that make a huge difference. I mean, I wouldn't trade that for anything now because now I, I have this skill set that is extremely valuable. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I don't like to refer to myself as an expert because I know so many people who are so much smarter than me and I get to work from them and learn from them every single mm -hmm. day. I like to view myself as a translator. And that is that, <laughs> that some of these people are so smart that, you know, oftentimes it's difficult to boil down those messages into something that anyone can digest. When you get a bunch of smart people in the room, they could be talking about sounds like a different language. And mm -hmm. that's great. We need those people because those are the people who are going to push forward this industry and help the most uh, in terms of, you know, f whether it's fighting against obesity or helping people just live healthier lives or, or just really making change. Those people are the ones who are the pioneers in paving the way. But at the same time, when you have to disseminate that information to people who don't know anything, you need someone who can, can translate that. And that's where I come in. I've got enough of a background where I feel that I can take that information, find the smartest people to give them a platform and give them the love and attention that they deserve, and then get that information out there. Because that's really the key. We need to get good information out to not just fitness populations, but to the general population. And, and that's what's going to create the most change. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's sort of one of the same things I'm trying to do with um, healthionomics, my site. Uh, I'm a kinesiologist by education, and I worked as an exercise physiologist, um, exercise therapist for a while. And I work in the finance industry now. So uh, how I got into the finance industry, that's a whole other story. But uh, that's I like your sort of analogy there. Um, so I, I look at it as well. Like I, I'm a, I have this background and expertise, but I, I look at it as I'm, I'm translating information that I know um, and, you know, translating all those crazy terms like iliotibial band and uh, explaining it in a way where the readers can understand and hopefully help them get you know healthier and uh, and fitter. Yeah, and then once people actually feel their IT band, they hate you for introducing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you go to uh, CU? I, I did go to the University of Colorado. I am a huge Colorado Buffaloes fan. Um, at some point, uh, painstakingly, as their football team has uh, really 
fallen into deep dark times over the last five six years but i am i'm as passionate of a colorado buffalo as you'll find that's cool a small world I've, I've got a very good friend from uh, back home in victoria that did his undergrad and masters in um, kinesiology at cu as well so uh we'll, we'll talk about it offline but perhaps uh, you might even know him. yeah boulder is a great draw for pretty much anyone that is that is my favorite place in the world i love that city oh so do i it's great so let's move into your book. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the, the title of the book is Man 2.0, Engineering the Alpha, A Real-World Guide to an Unreal Life, Build More Muscle, Burn More Fat, Have More Sex. I bought a copy of the book, and I have read it. Um, and actually, I should mention now, I've got, I bought a couple extra copies because I like the book so much uh, to give away to listeners of the podcast. So a little bit further on, I'll uh, give some details as to how um, two people can win a copy of the book. Um, the book takes a different approach to fitness and nutrition than most that I've read. Where did the idea from the book come from? I got to give a lot of credit to my co-author, John Romanello, who some people know him as Roman. I mean, he really has been working on this for, for more than 10 years, if you will. But it was about two, three years ago that he came to me uh, with an idea of, of wanting to do a mainstream book that really uh, tried to put out health information in a way that normally isn't disseminated. And and what I mean by that is that we have people in the fitness community who are extremely knowledgeable. And it, it's very hard to find information that's going to leave them satiated, if you will, because they're always mm -hmm. going to be craving something more or some of it might feel repetitive because they read everything under the sun. And you need to create information for those people all the time. But at the same time, a lot of the information is just catered towards the fitness population, and it's not necessarily catered towards the mainstream population. So we wanted to take these philosophies that, that John had been working on for more than 10 years and find a way to strike a chord that would appeal to the very fitness savvy, but just as importantly, maybe more importantly, really strike a nerve with the non-fitness savvy, the people who have an interest in health and fitness, but the same people who have been doing the same routine in the gym for the last five years, the same people who are, whether they're still afraid of eating fat or saturated fat or think that eating at night will make them fat or thinking that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, really wanted to shake things up and not shake things up just for the sake of shaking it up, but because there's a lot of great science out there that just never gets out there to the mainstream. And, and what has happened is that people have been paralyzed by these myths and concepts that have been perpetuated over time. We get all these ideas that put out in the mainstream and then they get reinforced because they get supported so many times, such as the idea that you have to eat every two to three hours. You know, this is something we go into, mm -hmm. but there's nothing wrong with eating every two to three hours, eating these small meals. But this concept that like, if you don't go ahead and eat like this, you're going to get fat just isn't true. And this isn't anecdotal. This is scientific. Uh, and, but, you know, it starts, it becomes this domino effect, this snowball, where so many people start saying these things that if anyone stands in the way of it, you know, it, it's almost like it's blasphemy. This is crazy. So what we had to really go ahead and, and create a book that uh, in, in ways what, what touch on some things that were a little bit controversial. We talk a lot about intermittent fasting, for instance, in that book. But but really, at the same time, try and put our feet in the ground and try and debunk some of these myths that make it really hard for people to get fit, make it really hard for them to understand how to eat well, because they, they hear all of this information from every which way. And they ended up feeling like, oh, there's all these rules, there's too much to do. And then, uh, you know, they end up doing nothing because it is, you know, it's paralysis by analysis. So let's kind of yeah. simplify the approach, take a and, and give them a little bit more freedom to eat and live the way that they want. And then see that there's a much more sustainable way to go about it. And that was really the backbone of the book. And then we just had to put in a lot of colorful language because let's be honest, when you put out a fitness book, a lot of people will go through it and be like, all right, where's the fitness program? Where's the diet program? And that's fine. And we really wanted to oversell on this. We put in 16 weeks to programming here because there's nothing more frustrating. And I can tell you, I've, I mean, I've been in some books that have done it where you get four weeks of programming and then it's like, all right, where do I go from here? We wanted it to make sure that if you got this book just for that, it's fine. But at the same time, we really wanted people to read and we wanted them to be engaged. So we used uh, some colorful language, if you will, because it's important stuff that we're talking about here. And we want you to read, and if we, we have to throw in the occasional F-bomb to, to grab your attention or to accentuate a point, I understand that it might offend a few people, but at the same time, if it gets you to read this stuff, it's almost worth the sacrifice. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, how's the feedback been? I mean, from dropping the odd F-bomb to taking sort of the contrarian point of view on many many points that um, are many myths, you know, as research uh, may approve, but a contrarian view to what most people think and what most sort of fitness and websites and, and books write about. Uh, you know, I'll be completely honest. I'm as transparent of the person as it comes. You know, a lot of the backlash for the book has been about the language. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in all honesty, I, I understand it. You know, some everyone has different uh, tastes, if you will, for, for what you want to read and what you want to digest. And, you know, part of the book is also, like I said, you know, I'm I'm a writer and, and I do kind of take on the persona, especially if I'm working with someone of the project. It's, it's almost that method type of writing. And, and Roman has a, a very specific type of language, but it's a language that resonates with a lot of people. And with other people, it doesn't. So I'm, I'm never going to be upset. And someone, you know, I obviously feel bad if, you know, they can't see beyond certain language. And the language really was done to accentuate points. And it was also to speak to a certain audience. So mm-hmm. in, in that aspect, you know, there, there have been several people who just who don't like the profanity. And I wish it wasn't the case, but I completely understand that. I mean, we, we all have our preferences. What, what has been nice is that there hasn't been too much pushback on a lot of the theories. And that's really where we've been able to make a difference, if you will, that, you know, we're, we're, we're not necessarily telling people you have to do X, Y, and Z. It's more that we're telling people you don't have to do A through Z, because there's all of this information out there. And uh, most of it just isn't true. Most of it is more about preference rather than a hard rule. And I do think that's very liberating. It's opened a lot of people's eyes that whether they decide to eat three meals a day or six, whether they decide to eat breakfast at 8 a.m. or push it back later in the day, whether they decide to do intermittent fasting or go ahead and eat carbs at night, they now understand, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a more clarified way what actually is a hard rule and what isn't. And there's always going to be some people that, you know, just want to debate for the sake of debating. They don't want to let go of their their hard-held beliefs, and we, we talk about that. That You know, oftentimes the hardest thing to do when, when making change is to accept the idea of making change. That's really, really difficult because yeah. you, have, you have to break down the psychological barriers, and oftentimes the psychological barriers are a bigger issue than the physical ones. And, you know, that, that's where I think a lot of, you know, that this – the process is is difficult, if you will. But overall, the, the feedback from the book has been great. A lot of people have read it, and I'm very pleased with what we put out there. And I, I just, in all honesty, I just hope it helps a lot of people. And if there's things that we could do to to continue helping out, I love the feedback on the book. It's it's great because this is a fluid process. The book is just the start, and there's a lot more to be done to help people out. Cool. Um, so let's let's dive a bit into the book. The overarching theme appears to be hormones and ensuring men have uh, the proper sort of hormone balance uh, to ensure optimal health. Um, and testosterone is the hormone that uh, makes a man a man. Um, so I, and I've been reading a lot about testosterone lately. It seems to be in the news quite a bit. Are testosterone levels on the decline? You know, I, I read a recent New York Times article about. Uh, middle-aged men and how the prescriptions for testosterone is climbing rapidly. So, um, yeah, talk to me a bit about sort of the, the whole hormonal balance approach to the book and uh, testosterone uh, more specifically. Yeah, I mean, the, the book itself was really a call to action, if you want. I mean, this was really our public service announcement that if you're looking at numbers over the last 20 years, the median testosterone for guys has dropped about 20%, which is pretty staggering uh, staggering when you think about it and within that general drop on average of testosterone you also have about a fourth of guys who are below average so the general man now has lower testosterone than he did 20 years ago and then got, why is that uh, it, this research it's, it's lifestyle factors i mean and the problem is the only people who really picked up on this is pharmaceutical companies guys are dropping in testosterone they're feeling worse they're lacking energy they're aging and pharmaceutical companies in our, you know, instant gratification society. I mean, we are a microwave society. Why, uh, mm-hmm. why put our food in the oven for 60 minutes when we can pop it in a microwave and eat it in 60 seconds? This is, uh, <laughs> you know, what we – this is everyone's approach. So pharmaceutical companies are like, hey, you want to improve your testosterone. It's really important. We got a pill or we got an injection for that. And for some people, that might be a last case resort. 
But the problem here is that a lot of people think that testosterone is, is failing. And when you get in your 50s or 60s, though, you know, you're just going to lose it with time and it's an inevitability. And for one thing, it's not an inevitability. You got to you got to work hard. But there was a you know study that they did in Australia that found that guys who were active and fit were able to have testosterone levels that were comparable to guys in their 30s. So at one point, it's not necessarily that you lose it. On the other half, it's that guys as low as their 20s and 30s are now suffering from very low testosterone. I'll call the action was for people to go and get their testosterone measured. And the feedback was that guys' levels were extremely low, staggeringly low. And it is because of these lifestyle factors. People aren't exercising the right way. They're not eating the right way. In a big mm -hmm. way, they are sleeping terribly. It, it makes sense that, oh, we need to tell you to sleep. But a lot of people don't necessarily really understand what's at stake when they don't sleep enough. You know, we, we quote a study in there that was at the University of Chicago where they found that two weeks of sleep deprivation and sleep deprivation being less than six hours a night dropped testosterone more than 15 percent. And this is just within two weeks. Now, you know, there are some correlational studies here. You can only you can't necessarily say, oh, if you don't sleep, this is 100 percent going to happen. So obviously not everything is cause and effect. So it's important yeah. to mention that from the beginning. But that doesn't mean that there's an important stuff here because we delve into all the different ways that a lack of sleep is really messing up your body. But here's what's important to take away, whether the 15 percent is a hard number or not. Here's what we do know on average. The general or the typical man after the age of 30 uh, his testosterone lowers about 1% per year. So let's just use it as a rule of thumb, saying that hypothetically two weeks of sleep deprivation could, in theory, drop your testosterone 15%. That might not seem, seem like much, but that is the equivalent of 15 years of aging. And when you put wow. in that context, suddenly it's like, wow, this is really important. And when you start understanding all the different ways that your testosterone levels are really important to your aging and to your health, and then uh, on the more aesthetic uh, you know, side of things, how important it is to your appearance, your ability to build muscle, lose fat, you start seeing, or even have a sex drive, you start seeing how all of this is connected. And if we just start taking a smarter approach to how we eat, how we live, how we sleep, how we take care of ourselves, we can really fix this engine that makes our body work really well. And that's what I think, you know, tying this stuff to hormones wasn't it's a lot of people get the message a little bit misunderstood because there's information out there that will look at oh doing a heavy set of squats will increase your testosterone and there'll be and then there'll be a whole bunch of debate over well does that mean you know doing those heavy sets of squats is going to raise testosterone so that you build more muscle within that individual session that's not what we're saying and there's been a lot of uh, recent research on that that's very interesting in terms of Acute, so within a session, the increase of testosterone from certain weight training sessions. And Brad Schoenfeld has done some great research in that area recently. And it's not that it's going to help you build more muscle from this one session. You don't just pound out some squats and then suddenly you become He-Man. Uh, mm -hmm. Would be awesome. Uh, it, it's more about fixing the overall system and, and consistently doing it. And if you want to view your hormonal system as anything – View it as the engine of your cars. This is basic endocrinology. We've known this for a long period of time. Our hormones are essential to our health. And if you have a hormonal system that is broken down, it's no different than having a broken engine. You could be putting great fuel into it. You could be taking care of everything else. You could be washing the car. But when it comes time to, to turn on the car, if the engine is broken, it's not going to work the way you want it to. And that's what mm -hmm. hormones are. If your hormones are broken, we're your cortisol and insulin levels are all over the place, your testosterone levels are shot, you're going to feel pretty bad. And the efforts you're taking to take care of yourself uh, just aren't going to yield the type of benefits that you want. So it's more about fixing that system so that everything else you're doing to try and be healthy and try and live a good life actually has the impact that it's supposed to. Yeah, those are some great points. Um, and I think it's important for people, like they don't have to make drastic changes i mean you know ensure you're getting some sleep eating properly and exercising i'm sure if people you know just looked at those three things there um you know their testosterone levels would get back to where they should be or or even increase right it's it's, it's not rocket science the, the the science is really in more of those components so what is eating healthy and then you have all these rules that you got to get through what is training correctly what is mm -hmm. good sleep and then once you start kind of removing some of those barriers and deciding which ones really fit in your lifestyle. That's what works. And this is what we have to get beyond, that 
we in in this industry, too many people are arguing for and beating their chest that it has to be done this way. Everyone's really dogmatic, and I'm not sitting here. Uh, you know, I don't care if people follow health information exactly the way that I live my life. That's not what it's about. It's about giving people options so they can find what works for them because it's great if you go ahead and you follow a program for six, eight weeks and you look and feel great, but then you can only do it for six, eight weeks and then you fall off the wagon then you're back at the drawing board. I mean, it, it's fun to get in great shape. It's fun to do that, but it's it's much more fun to have an option where you really feel you can do this for a long period of time. It's really feel you can do this for life or you have enough information that if you want to adjust or tweak something, you can do it where you don't feel everything's going to fall apart and you're going to suddenly start feeling like crap or what you need to do to feel good is, is so restrictive that it's terrible. I mean, there are a lot of people who live a very healthy lifestyle, but they're prisoners within their own lifestyle because they hate mm -hmm. what they're doing. And if they can pull that off, that's great. But it's much more important for me to, to find ways where you can train, you can eat, you can sleep, and you can live in a way that's that's great, that's enjoyable, and, and that's really my life's quest. I'm not here to tell you how to live. I'm just here to tell you that here are the options that might make living the way you want a little bit easier and a little bit more enjoyable, and then kind of pick the path, choose your own adventure, and take that and run with it. But sometimes we just got to break through these barriers because if you know if we're so frustrated by all these options and none of the options feel like they, they fit our lifestyle – that's that's no good. I mean, we talk about cheat meals in here. If you want to eat some bad food, great. If you don't want to, that's fine. We talk about intermittent fasting. Hey, if you don't want to intermittent fast, I'm not going to chase you down and give you a, you know, a reason, you know, to do it. But what I am going to do is I'm going to explain how we are eating for too many hours during the course of the day and by eating so frequently, it's putting a lot of stress in your body in ways that could be detrimental to your health. And the idea of fasting doesn't have all these backlashes and there's many different ways to fast and, and I think that's really what it comes down to yeah I know exactly I think and so many people take such extreme approaches you know if they want to get fit or eat better they take such extreme measures and you know all of a sudden they've gone from you know eating a lot of fat and steak and all of a sudden they're a vegan and you know it's not sustainable you know if you take you know you want to build healthy habits I think it all comes down to and you know starting with little changes and if some little changes can help you get your your hormones in balance then uh, you know start there um and then you know and work from that feel benefit from that progress you're making but uh you know i i kind of agree with it. the extreme changes you know it's it's not the way for sustainable uh, habits healthy habits to be built yeah life is meant to be enjoyed i mean let's just be honest about it and if you enjoy your life doing those extreme habits do it because like I, i'm someone who like i enjoy you know training really hard and it's just it's enjoyable it's enjoyable to me i mean it's i talked to my wife about it you know training hard is like going to a playground for me it's great but that type <laughs> of training might not work for everyone and you know some people want to eat or they want to go out or they want to drink and they want to do these things and this is part of living it doesn't mean like if you want to be healthy you can't just uh, approach life with reckless abandon but what i can tell you is that some of these things are just going to make you feel a lot better than you would otherwise. And it, it does open up the freedom to do other things, but it is finding that happy balance that, that works for you because not all health goals are about having a six pack. And I know that, you know, might be blasphemy coming from a guy, you know, who works for all these magazines that whether directly or indirectly <laughs> promotes this, but listen, having a six pack is pretty awesome. I, I won't lie. It, it, it builds a lot of confidence, but it is far from the end-all, be-all, and you can be very, very healthy and very, very happy without it. And it's an important message, and this isn't like your your feel-good stance right here because I want people to be like happy and fit, but your goals should be your goals. And if you want to go ahead and you want to get lean and ripped, that's fine. If you want to train in a way that allows you to eat the foods that you want, that's fine. If you want to live to 120 that's that's fine ways to do that. If you just want to exercise but never really want to be in a gym, we can do that too. And and this is when we really start making progress when we're able to get this message and and break down those barriers and and share these sustainable approaches in a way that we can speak to every different type of person who knows they need to be healthy. I mean, there's there's no lack of knowledge here in terms of like people know they need to be healthy. They know they need to take care of themselves. 
But to many people, it's almost too intimidating or too complex or too frustrating to take that on. So we need to just find new ways to communicate how to take it on, how to help them troubleshoot, how to prepare them for the different hurdles that will stand in their way. So when it so when they come, it, it won't be too much to overcome. You know, one of the best things that you can do for anyone is is prepare them. Hey, th- this won't necessarily be easy because, you know, change sometimes is hard, but it doesn't mean it has to be complex. It doesn't mean that it has to be frustrating. And, mm-hmm. and I do think that a lot of the messaging needs to be around that. It's about more more about preparation than it, than it is about, you know, getting in people's face and making them feel bad if you know, they find something difficult. I don't really find that that helps anyone. Yeah. Well, that's a good transition, actually. I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about the messaging um, a bit later uh, in the fitness industry. But uh, right now, uh, can you give us a sort of a current state of the fitness and nutrition industry? Uh, what trends are you seeing that, that you like and maybe some stuff that you don't like? Uh, what do I, I like? I like a lot of things. I mean, it's just that the the trends that I'm I'm enjoying uh, really has to just do kind of more with the with the free flow of information that is online. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's also what I hate the most. I love that we have a lot of different people talking about health and fitness. I love that it's so strongly on the conscious of, of so many people, and that's that's just powerful. It's good, and, and everything from you know. Michelle Obama trying to talk about it in a, in a Let's Move campaign to, you know, your you know bloggers making this an important part of what they uh, what they're what they're trying to do to make their difference on society. But at the same time, you know, with, with great with great power comes great downside. The Internet mm-hmm. is, a, is a space that creates a lot of confusion and we need to find a better way to drown out the voices that are either spreading bad information, misinformation, not well-sourced research information, or and, and just find a way to, to simplify this because I think the wealth of information confuses people. And that confusion oftentimes causes them to, to run away from, uh, from habits that they need. And it, it's, it's tough, and I, and I know that I, I just probably sounded like a crazy person saying that the thing that I love is the thing that I hate, but <laughs> it's true because the analogy that I would use is that I know a lot of people that will walk into a gym and see a crowded gym and be like, oh, I wish all these people would leave. Why are you on the equipment? Why are you in here? I walk in there, and I'm just like, this is great. I mean, I don't like a crowded gym. I'm no different than anyone else, but I'm like, look at all these people trying to get healthy. This is awesome. It fires me up. It gets me excited. And then I see all the people who, you know, you can go a million different ways that don't know what they're doing or are are doing the wrong thing or or could be making better use of their time. And I know that they're going to go to the gym for a certain amount of time, and then eventually they're going to look in the mirror, they're going to look on the scale, or they're going to you know, uh, look at themselves and just be like, I don't see any benefit from this. And they'll probably stop going. Yeah. And uh, it, it's the same thing to the that speaks to the information on there. If they're going to go in and put in the time, let's make sure that they're, you know, yielding a return on their investment. And uh, our, our time is the most valuable thing. I mean, we, we know that the biggest complaint about exercise is I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And yes, it's true. We need to we need to make time. And it's, it's a realistic excuse, but it's still an excuse. And all of us have a limited amount of time because we have a million things pulling us every which way. And the reality is it's it's our health. It's our lifestyle. We have to make time or else, you know, time will catch up with us. But, you know, if if we get it to the point where we can see all these people in the gym and they're all doing something, anything that will really directly benefit them. So at the end of the day, they know that they're they're getting a return on their time spent. That's uh, well, that's, that's what we need to try and accomplish. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I read an interesting post uh, by a, a physio, Jay Deshari, sort of a running expert. I um, had a podcast with him a couple months ago. Anyways, he wrote a great post that, you know, if people are one day they miss a workout, but, you know, maybe they decide, oh, I'm going to walk to the subway or, um, or you do some push-ups at home. So to, if you just think of it a way, sort of every heartbeat, um, you throw in there and every muscle contraction, if you're moving towards, you know, some sort of an end goal, you're moving in the right direction. Look at that as a positive. You know, you're, you're going to miss workouts. You're not going to have time some days, some weeks, but, um, you know, look at it from a long-term perspective. And I think a lot of people sort of jump off the wagon, you know, if they miss a couple workouts, they're like, yeah, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm just going to quit. 
Um, so that's sort of that long-term perspective, you know, it, it's, this is your life you're talking about. So you want to, you know, take a long-term approach and, uh, you know, if you, even if you get in, you know, a walk and you do 20 push-ups in an evening or something, that's great. Look at it as a positive and, and move on. Yeah. And I think something else that I love about this right now is that, you know, like you said, it, it's tough for people to, to get in, but what's happening within fitness, both in the physical sense and in the the app space, the digital world, is this community-based approach to fitness, which is great because, uh, you know, whether you're looking at a site or an app, something like Photocracy, where you really have this gamification of fitness and you get hundreds of thousands of people supporting and talk about fitness, or even, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, positive and negative things that can be said about something like CrossFit, and that could be an entire conversation in and of itself. <laughs> Uh, the one thing that CrossFit has really figured out and does a wonderful job with is the community building and the support around. And a lot of people go to a box because they they want to train along people who are more competitive internally than they are competitive with other people. And it does create that sense of fitness community. And you see it in those CrossFit boxes. You see it at the CrossFit games. And I'm I'm not a CrossFit person myself, but I've been to uh, you know plenty of you know, different CrossFit places and gone through the workouts. And I do love seeing the support and it's very, there's a lot of positive reinforcement there that gets people active. So I think one of my favorite things, and it's something that I really think the digital space is, is helping to enhance is this social fitness and, mm-hmm. and building people together. And you, you, you see some sites moving in that direction. And I do think that's important because people want to fight towards something together. They, they want to have, uh, support and accountability. And oftentimes, like I said, it's these psychological barriers that hold people back. I can't tell you whether it's men or women who will look at a weight room and just be intimidated by it. And it, and it can be intimidating, especially if you're starting. So if you're able to create an environment that has the same exact equipment, arguably even more intimidating. I mean, CrossFit boxes is a whole bunch of you know, barbells and, you know, a lot of times like pull up bars and, you know, you're got people doing handstand pushups and tires, tires. And, and uh, if anyone's ever seen my, my avatar, I love the tires. Uh, oh, see, yeah, I love that photo, by the way. <laughs> that one will last me forever. I'm going to be 50 years old and I'm still going to be pointing to that and people are going to meet me in person and be like, wow, false advertising. Yeah. What happened there? What, what happened to you? And I was like, ah, I was, I was young. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's important. I think we need to find more ways like that to engage people and, and make it fun and make it more supportive because uh, just as, you know, the old saying, misery loves company, I think enjoyment and motivation and inspiration loves company too. And that's oftentimes the catalyst that gets people going. And if you can make it social, whether it's in a digital space, whether it's in a physical space, it's important. I mean, you, it's the same thing you see with boot camps. People get together to go and sweat and laugh and feel great. And they want to do it again because they want to be around their friends or they want that feeling or they want to be able to push people. I mean, I know what happens when I go and train with people. I was just in New York the other day and Sean Heisen, who's the fitness director over for, for men's fitness and, and muscle and fitness, you know, tried to pull me out of, uh, a weekend work session where I was just crammed up and really did a great job of talking me into it. And we had an amazing training session. It was just like, he was pushing me. I was pushing him. We were laughing. We were having fun. We were lifting heavy weights and it's great. And when when people can see that, you know, fitness doesn't have to be this, this boring kind of static activity that some people think it is, it it makes it more of a lifestyle activity. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, um, Another thing too, um, I just ran a marathon here in Toronto. Um, still four weeks. Thank you very much. Uh, still recovering, but um, about four weeks ago, and um, the one thing I did differently, um, I, I run one previous other marathon, but I got a coach, and um, that coach, uh, it was all online based. His name's Greg Strosicker. Um, anyways, but one thing I found is sort of that whole sort of accountability. Um, and guidance thing. And, you know, I could have done it without a coach. There's, you know, I, there's lots of marathon plans um, online and runner's world, etc. But, you know, it's one thing too. And if people can afford it, having a trainer or, or having a coach um, or sort of any sort of support and, and community that all that stuff helps no matter, you know, even, even if you're super fit or you're just starting out. Um, you know, I've been, I've been running for, you know, 20 years and um, 
it's the first time I had a, and a coach and, uh, I must say it, it really helped me focus and, uh, kept me accountable. And, um, and I would recommend it to, to everyone, whether they're running or they want to get into, you know, weights or, um, whatever they're doing, whatever their activity is. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, I, I offer a coaching service on my, my website, bornfitness.com. And this is not a plug. It's, it's to say that the reason why I did that is because I get coached myself. And I'm someone who's been doing this for, you know, 14 years. And, uh, you know, I, Jason Frugia, who is one of the, the smartest strength coaches I've ever come across, you know, is my training partner. And it, it's important that, you know, it's not just beginners who get coached. Coaches get coached. I have numerous mentors. And it's it's great because it gives you that social aspect. It gives you the accountability. It allows people to see the the flaws that you can't see yourself and it became that that dawning moment that you know if I have a service that I can provide to people I'm doing a disservice if I'm not coaching others and passing down the knowledge that I have learned because I, I continue to want to you know the way you change a lot of this is to educate I'm, I'm a teacher at heart I love educating people on every which way whether it's stuff on the editorial side and creating content and building brands, which is what I do for my business, or whether it's on, on the fitness side, which is where, they, where I cut my teeth and where I get to interact with people. It's our job to share that information, whether we are being coached or whether we are coaching others, because then you pass down that information and your hope is that they learn it well enough that they can pass it down to someone else. Maybe they can't pass it down the same way that you can, and that's this isn't a license to you know go and learn from people and then decide that you are a coach. It takes years to learn things, be able to pass it down. But the sign of a of a really good teacher, someone who can educate another individual, and then that individual can go ahead and take some of that information and pass it down to someone so that they understand it in a way that they can help themselves. And that's what we need to do. We just need to spread information. So th this idea of you know it, it obviously is a an expense for people and it's an investment, but it's one of the best investments because, again, it's, it's an investment in your education. It's an investment in your health. It's an investment in your body. And at the end of the day, those are never going to be investments that you really regret. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so, Adam, let, can you take us through sort of one of your – a typical day from uh, for you with regards to diet, uh, eating schedule, and uh, sort of what a typical workout looks like for you? Um, I'm glad you didn't want me to reveal my entire day so that people can be like, really? That guy no. is the most boring life ever. My my reality show would be entertaining and, and maddening at the same time. We should just uh, <laughs> turn on Born TV over here so people can see me slogging around at 5 a.m. Uh, and, and, yeah, that's usually when the when the day begins. But from, a, from an eating and fitness standpoint, uh, I am an intermittent faster which mm -hmm. means that um, there are many different ways to practice intermittent fasting. And a lot of these beliefs have been learned and adjusted from other people far smarter than me. So, I mean, there's, a, you know, I do a modified version of Martin Brookins' 168 uh, fasting, which, you know, he created, which was you're, you fast for 16 hours a day and then you eat for eight. There's also different elements from Brad Pilon's Eat, Stop, Eat, Brad is uh, also very, very smart. And, you know, you, you kind of take these things and synthesize and, like I said, find ways that work for you. So I don't eat until about anywhere between 12 and 2 p.m. every day. And as we discussed in the book, this whole idea of not eating breakfast, my trust me, my metabolism isn't slowing down. I don't have, yeah, I'm not, you know, suffering from low blood sugar or, or falling apart at the seams. Uh, I actually feel great. I, uh, you know, the reason I do this is because it's much more sustainable for my life, and it really works well with my schedule and you know when I get my, my pick-me-ups from Boost Energy because by, by fasting in the morning, I will tell you I'm sharper than I've ever been. I am on my game, and when I would hit that afternoon lull, I, I go and train, and I, and I get my pick-me-ups. So I usually like to train uh, middle of the day, which is a, a mm -hmm. huge departure from what I used to do, and I will say that I, I can do this now because I – I work for myself, but when I still worked for uh, a corporation, I, I switched to, to lunchtime workouts. And this is some for 10 years. I used to get up as early as 4.30 in the morning, so I could have a huge breakfast and then go head out and train. And you could kind of see the evolution in, in how I live my lifestyle. Now it's, it's been an adjustment in finding really what works for me and my schedule. So I will, I will fast until about 12 or 2. I will then hit my workout. Um, depending on what I'm doing for the day, sometimes I will eat before training. Sometimes I won't. 
and uh, we'll go and I will train. After training, I, I eat. I always eat after training. That's one of my most enjoyable meals uh, of the day. And you, usually that'll be a combination of, of protein and carbohydrates, and it might be uh, a protein shake and, and some fruit, or it might be I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of white rice. Uh, I, I eat it all the time. I absolutely love white rice. So it might be a little <laughs> uh, white rice bowl with some some chicken in there, maybe some eggs, throw some veggies in there. And uh, I'm a very, uh, I love cooking, but oftentimes I'm a simple cook. And then uh, I will have dinner, which will usually be my, my biggest meal of the day. And about an hour or two later, I, I make my, what have, what have become known for, for many people, my, my protein ice cream. It's <laughs> just a, a combination of protein powder, almond milk, and uh, almond butter. And it is, and you freeze it. I, I have the recipe on my website. It's absolutely delicious. A lot of people. Ooh, that sounds good. It is so good. I, you know, I know it's good when my wonderful wife, who has much better taste buds than me, actually enjoys it and, and asks me to make it for her. And it's just something that I do. And it's, it is a way to pretty much kick any sweet tooth that you have because it takes the, it tastes like you're eating cake batter or ice cream, depending on how you prepare it and how thick you want it and uh it's it's really from a macronutrient standpoint really healthy uh, in terms of how i train uh right now i'm pretty much just following jay uh, jason perugia's his approach and, and he uh, tends to go with a pull push legs rotation so one day okay. being primarily pulling one day being so that being row type exercises if you will one day being pushes, so you, your stereotypical one would be, say, like a bench press or an overhead press with the accessory exercises, and then a lower body day, and then we love crushing the prowler all the time. We get our conditioning by pushing around a sled until our legs hate us and we don't want to move anymore, and it is, uh, it, it's training hard. It's, it's training smart. I mean, one of the things that we've learned is that I've had a, a lot of injuries over the years, so we've learned how to train smarter so that we you know we don't have those injuries and then uh rest up heal up get the appropriate amount of sleep and repeat that's great uh, what about supplements other than I, you mentioned protein powder there do you take anything else on a regular basis a multivitamin or greens uh, or anything yeah, or I'm a do you minimal, uh, minimalist for the most part but i, I yeah. think that again if we're using the car analogy you know you can put really premium gas in your car and it's going to make you feel a little bit better so uh, i do believe that the majority of your nutrition should come from real foods. It, it only makes sense that that would be the way that it is, and supplements are meant to be supplemental to your diet. I mean, that's where they get their name from. But I, For sure. Yeah, I, I do take fish oil. I'm a big believer in fish oil, especially with a higher DHA concentration. I, I love vitamin D. I think it's really important. It's something that we're deficient in. Uh, I live in beautiful Santa Monica, but uh, most of this, the light I get is from the fluorescent lights above me and uh they don't give you vitamin d and they don't give you a nice tan either so i'm <laughs> one of the more pale people in in southern california i'm, I'm trying to work on that so the vitamin d well I, i'm one of the more pale people in canada so uh <laughs> um actually and then up here even more important to take a vitamin. people though they, they seem like don't you live by the beach yes i i do and then i I hope to see the beach one of these days. Um, but I, I do take vitamin D. Very, very important, uh, you know, from a hormonal standpoint as well. Uh, I take athletic greens. So whether you – I believe it's uh, the best greens product out there. It's one that I, I love and I buy and take on my own. And, uh, yeah, so I think we, we covered that there. So we had the vitamin D, fish oil, athletic greens. And then occasionally I, I will take a, a creatine product depending on training or how I'm feeling. And creatine isn't something you need to cycle off. Uh, a lot of misnomers about that. And there's a lot of benefits to creatine that go beyond even muscle building. You know, it be, for instance, being good for, for brain health or, you know, sometimes you're recovering from injuries. And sometimes it's just a matter of whether I feel like being on it or not. So that's, it's not a consistent one, but it's one of the most researched supplements and there's still a lot of people who associate creatine with uh, illegal anabolics like steroids and that is just the biggest bunch of nonsense you could imagine uh, mm -hmm. unless you have a pre-existing kidney problem for instance creatine is completely healthy and and has a variety uh, of benefits and it is something that for the average person especially who trains with weights i, I definitely recommend well that's great uh, thanks for the rundown there um now, I mentioned earlier that um, 
I wanted to give away a couple copies of uh, your book. Let's um, do that. And, and Roman's book as well. I keep uh, I should mention his name as well because he's he, the co-author. He is he is a huge part of it, and he's a, he was the programmer behind the the workouts and diets. And if anyone's ever seen pictures of Roman, the proof is oftentimes in the pudding. That guy is in phenomenal shape. And yeah, he is. It's, uh, yeah, he he keeps me working hard. It's, it's a good thing. Sometimes if you have someone who's setting the bar, uh, bar high, it uh, keeps you you pushing hard. And like I said, whether it's your goal or not, it's it's always good to know that people who who put in the sweat equity, if you will, you know, there there is a yield on that investment. Exactly. Uh, so for people listening, uh, if you want to be eligible to win a copy of the book, uh, head over to um, healthynomics.com/alpha. And I'll set up that link and um, just enter a comment at the bottom uh, and just enter a comment with what you struggle with the most from a fitness or nutrition perspective, um, as long as, or short as you want. And uh, I'll pick a couple of winners at random and, uh, and send you over a copy of the book. So, um, yeah, head over to healthynomics.com slash alpha. Let's, let's, um, even, let's even up the ante. Let's, let's give away some signed <laughs> copies. Oh, that'd be amazing. Let's give some signed copies. So uh, we can even have first place, second place. I will send you, Mark, a couple signed copies, and I will even personalize them uh, to, to the winners. So uh, Mark will let me know who who wins, and, and we will do that because uh, I'm obviously appreciative of you taking the time to speak to me and people listening. And the point of writing this book is to share this information and hope people can read it. And like I said, pass on that information. We should all be... Uh, wanting to be learners, but also want to be teachers at the same point. And uh, I, anything that helps people want to engage and, and learn a little bit more, I'm going to be behind that at all times. Hey, well, that's awesome, Adam. Thanks very much. So uh, yeah, head over to the website. So we're going to give away four copies and um, a couple signed copies by Adam there. So Adam, um, I don't want to take any more of your time. You've been super generous. Um, and thanks so much for chatting and your expertise. Um, whereabouts can people stay in touch with you and, uh, and connect with you if they want? Yeah, you can always reach out to me at bornfitness.com. I have a blog over there where I post information and also any services, whether it is from coaching to uh, business consulting or brand building, I offer on there. And then if you want to pick up the book and, and read it yourself, if you are not one of the winners of the contest, uh, you can find it at any realtor like uh, Barnes & Noble. You can go on Amazon and find it. And if you just want to simplify the whole process, you can go to engineeringthealpha.com. And if you ever want to engage with me, uh, you can find me on all the different social media outlets, whether it's Born Fitness on Facebook or I am a lover of the Twitterverse and I love engaging with people doing Q&As and it's the same thing and it's at Born Fitness over there and and. I love that because I, it's a great way to interact with people and create conversations. So please do reach out, and I will do my best to always answer questions and uh, talk shop. Yeah, it's cool. I've seen you do a few. Uh, it looks like you're in a taxi um, with some time to kill doing Q&A, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, whenever I'm in New York, I, I do. It's my, it's my version <laughs> of cash cab. I'm like, all right, I know how uh, slowly traffic moves over here. I could sit here and just grumble about it, or I can uh, answer some people's questions, and it's uh, kind of a, a fun lightning-style way to answer anything, health, fitness, nutrition, or sometimes I get even random questions. Last time I was in a cab, someone asked me what music was playing on the radio station, and uh, it, it happened to be <laughs> Usher at the time, to which point I just decided to start dancing in the cab, which and it's a good thing no one saw since uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I guess there's enough weird things going on in New York that no one would have an issue with me dancing in the back of the cab. No, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Uh, um, so that's cool. Anyways, Adam, thanks again, and uh, we will uh, talk to you again soon. Yeah, Mark, thank you, and keep up with the great work. I really appreciate the time, and thanks for having me on.